Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today making his A's Plus debut is manager Bob Melvin, who will discuss his team's surprising season, the stretch run, and just how great a player Matt Chapman might be. Outfielder Stephen Piscotti joins us to talk about the A's ALS Awareness Day on Monday against the Yankees. And Dave Feldman and I discuss the latest hits to the A's rotation, bullpenning, September call-ups, and the stretch run. Are you feeling overwhelmed by technology? Do you suffer from a nagging fear of missing out? Join Chronicle Managing Editor Fernando Diaz as he talks to a panel of industry experts about the effects of technology on privacy and ways you can protect yourself. It's Chronicle Chats at Herbst Theater on September 17th. You can purchase tickets at sfchronicle.com slash chats. Today on A's Plus, we welcome in A's manager Bob Melvin going into his seventh full season with the A's. And I guess technically you've been here eight full seasons really now because you took over right. midway through 2011. Um, Bob, coming into this season, there were sort of low expectations for this team. Uh, and obviously you guys are performing extremely well, well and right in the, the thick of the playoff race. Is this a surprise to you? Uh, it depends on when you ask me that. I, you know, I said early on in spring that I thought this team had a chance to get better and better as the season went along, and that's exactly that's been the case. So our goals have kind of changed as the seasons went along. But I, I think really an important trip for us was that first East Coast trip we had, where we played really well against Boston, beat them two out of three at their place, played really well against the Yankees, and then beat Toronto four in a row. And I think that's kind of when we found our mojo. Um, our record at that point wasn't what it is right now, but I, was, I think it was kind of a springboard as far as confidence for this team. And it seems like after that road trip, we just started playing better and better and better and gained more and more confidence. And it have been on a run that, uh, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. What would you say the major component for your team's success has been? You know, I think it's the full the full 25-man roster and even more. You know, you're looking at the injuries we've had in the rotation, how many guys we've had to put in there. Um, but when you use everybody and everybody has a role, it's very powerful. Like, you know, today this is the first day that Mark Hanna has not played against a left-hander in a long time. And when I told him that, he said, no problem, let's just win today. When I pinch hit for a guy, it's like I'm right there with you, and then they're rooting for the pinch hitter. So these guys play for the guy next to them. And they all know that they have a role and, and they're going to be, you know, pieces in the winning. And it's a very powerful feeling. You know, look at Nick Martini. Uh, look at Loriano. You know, these guys never even envisioned being on this team, yet now they're, they're integral pieces uh, in, a, in a winning atmosphere. So, you know, when everybody gets an opportunity and has some success, boy, it, it really it can be powerful. I know we've talked a lot about the, this team as it relates to the 2012 team, uh, which was also a team that got a lot of unusual contributions from people maybe uh, that fans didn't expect or media didn't expect. How, how much do you feel like this team is like the 2012 team? There are some similarities. There were, there were more, you know, David and Billy did a great job of adding pieces on as the season went along. We felt like there was going to be a, a, a core group of guys that would be 
uh, more integral than maybe in 2012. You know, 2012, we had all rookie starters. We had a bullpen that kind of came out of nowhere. There were certain pieces going into the season we felt like were going to be, like I said, important pieces for us. And then you kind of fill in around it. David and Billy, again, doing such a great job with replacing, you know, as you looked at the starting pitchers we've had, improving the bullpen going along, knowing that with the resources that we have, you know, it's going to be a little bit cheaper to do out of the bullpen so we can shorten the game a little bit. And it really made some key acquisitions. But there is still a core group of guys, a mix of veteran guys that really want to be Oakland A's and, and the group of youngsters that came up in our system. And, man, it's just a great mix in our clubhouse. Has there been anybody in particular that, that's really surprised you, any maybe a couple of guys that have really surprised you? I think Edwin Jackson is a guy that, that you know, it, we were really one start away from letting him go. And then Daniel Mangden gets hurt, and now he comes up here, and like three days into this, he's a leader. And, and these guys absolutely love him. When he takes the field, there's a there, he oozes confidence and an aura of competition and, you know, and winning. And, you know, so he's been an, he's been absolutely fantastic fit for us. Mike Fires, what he's done here recently, too, coming up and, you know, keeping us in every game that he's been in. You know, the bullpen pieces. You get a, a jury's familia, and, and, and the team really said, okay, you know what, they believe in us. And then add on a Fernando Rodney on top of that. I mean, there's so many great stories to this team. But the common theme is the room, the clubhouse, and, and you know, the, the feeling that we have in the clubhouse and that everybody that's been brought in has not only been a part of it, but actually even accentuated it. You look at our clubhouse after a game and watch these guys celebrate after a win. Um, there's a lot of fun, and then, like, after three minutes, it's cut off and it's on to the next day. So there's a, there's a celebratory factor to it, element to it, but then there's also, a, okay, this is where we cut it off and, and we worry about tomorrow. You, you guys have had an extraordinary number of injuries in your rotation, starting with Jarrell Cotton and A.J. Puck in uh, spring training and then continuing right on into this week with losing Sean Manaya and Fred Anderson, two very significant pieces. How, how challenging has that been from a managerial standpoint? It's been challenging, but everybody that we replace them with, we feel confident in. And I was saying earlier, you know, Daniel Mangden and Frankie Montas at certain times during the season had pitched at certain times better than anybody in our rotation so based on that history we feel good about them you know obviously losing Sean is 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 hurts you know everybody you know Brett too but but Sean is the one guy that's been there the entire season has really embraced the the ace type of role for us so to lose him stings a little bit but you know instead of feeling sorry for themselves the guys are like okay now we got to play for Sean too and you know so it's inspiring to see them want to pick up the guy that we felt like has been our ace and it seems like that's been the case all year long your bullpen obviously is one of the better ones in the game is this the best bullpen you think you've ever managed well i don't recall ever having three closers down there before and and for them to buy in and pitch in different roles was really important to the success that we're having right now you know, Jerry's familiar knows nothing but closing. And when he came in, he said, look, you don't even need to have the conversation with me. Just tell me when I'm going to pitch. If I need to pitch two innings, if I need to come in in the middle of an inning, I'll do whatever it takes to win. He's really a fun-loving guy. And then Rodney right behind him, just let me know when I need to pitch. I mean, you don't see that from veteran guys like that. They can have a little bit of an attitude when they come into a new place and, you know, say, okay, this is who I am. You know, work around me. It's been anything but that. 
Can it be a little tricky from a manager's standpoint to have so many good relievers? I mean, obviously it's a uh, kind of a wealth of riches, but you've got to decide who you're going to throw where. That's a great question because it can. And, you know, with Lou Trevino, who was pitching the eighth inning for us, we had to move him into a different role. And that was kind of the first tough dynamic was, okay, Lou, you're going to come in, we're going to try to cut down your workload. You pitched a lot. And we're going to bring you, we're going to be the firemen, so you're going to have to come in with guys on base. He was used to doing that and going on one plus before that. So scooting him up a little bit and trying to give him some rest, that was the first challenge. And then kind of finding where Rodney was going to fit. We knew Familia when he'd come in was going to pitch the eighth inning. was finding a good spot for Rodney. Now, once you go through a 20-game stretch like we have, it's trying to keep certain guys available every day. That's been the challenge here recently is not using everybody to where there are certain days that you really don't have any of your plus guys ready to pitch. So it's a great problem to have, but but sometimes it is a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle in figuring out who's going to go where. Now, I just asked you this in the group session, but talking to David Force yesterday about some of the pitching injuries, he mentioned that you guys might do a little more bullpenning uh, in September once you get some call-ups. Uh, sort of like Tampa's done, maybe even start relievers right. here and there. What, what are your feelings on, on that? You guys have done it a little bit, and obviously you've seen it done by other teams. Right. We, we, we've have, we have some, some experience doing it. You know, whether it was Brett coming out in the second inning, I think it was in Toronto, and having to bullpen through that game, whether it's some shorter starts and having to use quite a bit of your bullpen. Uh, we did have one day where we did a, a bullpen day, and I think Josh Lucas started that game. So we have some familiarity with it, so we, we feel like we know how to do it. Uh, ultimately, it would mean that somebody in our rotation has been vulnerable or Knockwood, you know, hopefully we don't get another injury. Then it would be probably would, would have to happen. But we'll just see as we go along who's pitching well, if we need to give somebody a break, if someone, like I said, is, is struggling to the point where we have to do it. But if we did, we'd feel confident in that, especially in September when you have you know, uh, a large number of arms in the bullpen. Now, you've had so many uh, really tremendous seasons in the lineup, it's, so it's hard to pick out just a few, but I'm only going to throw a few at you. Um, what have you thought, especially what you've gotten from Jed Lowry? It seems to me, in some ways, the team has almost taken on a little bit of his personality, particularly the young players, when it comes to the at-bats. Right. You know what? Chris Davis is probably our MVP, but everything kind of revolves around Jed here. He's been in the three-hole every day, less a couple times when I wanted, you know, we're doing some things different on a particular day, he hit second. But everything kind of revolves around him. And if you, if you sit in the cage and you watch our guys come in and out and go about their business, everybody wants to be in there when Jed's in there. Because Jed has such experience and knowledge on how to handle each and every at-bat, how not to give at-bats away how to prepare for a hitter, understanding himself. The, the more he plays, the, the smarter and better he gets. He's playing his best baseball at this age right now and really is a huge personality in our clubhouse. Uh, you mentioned Chris Davis. Uh, he's a power hitter. You A lot of times you talk about how power hitters kind of get a little streaky. He's right now in maybe a little bit of a down streak. What do you see what's going on with him? But also his season overall is yet another, as you said, he's possibly the team MVP. Right, and, and he has to be talked about in, in the league MVP too. So consistent for us in the power numbers. He is going through a little bit of a stretch. This is a ballpark that he's had a tough time in. So I think, weird. yeah, I think, uh, you know, that the, the maybe some of the numbers here accentuate kind of his entire season. And But he's always one swing away from a three-run homer. I feel like he's a better hitter now. 
You know, he's driven in some runs without hitting a home run. He's some shot some balls in the hole at, at between first and second that have driven in some runs. It's, I told him one point in time this year, I said, you better watch out. You might hit 300 next year. And it got a big grin on his face because he wants to get better and better. These guys absolutely love him. I've kind of referred to him as kind of a mascot, an endearing mascot for this team. There isn't a guy on this team that does not get along with them. There is not, you know, there's, there's I don't want to say cliques, but there's certain groups amongst the clubhouse. He's right in the middle of every one of them, and they really embrace this guy. I don't know that there's a more uh, sought-after personality and well-liked guy in our clubhouse than Chris Davis. And as you, you mentioned, guys who want to be here, he is a guy who wants to be here. He's obviously uh, under crowd track for next year, but I know you, like, like uh, many of us in the media, would like to see the team make a little bit of a, more of a commitment to him. Is that fair to say? It would. I think it would be, a, you know, and I know our organization wants to do that, so I, I think that would be impactful to our team. It would be impactful for our fan base. Um, you don't find... You know, guys, experienced guys that are on the verge of making some money. He's making some money now that really want to be in Oakland. We have a tough time bringing in free agents. Typically, we were used as a bargaining chip against another team. So when you have somebody like him that wants to, wants to be here, wants to be here long term, you're probably better served to, to try to keep him here. And I think it would impact, like I said, the entire fan base. Now, it seems like you spend an awful lot of your manager sessions with the media talking about Matt Chapman. I'm still going to ask you about him anyway, just because he's uh, coming to the season. We all knew he was going to be a tremendous defensive player, but uh, he's turned into a really good hitter, like one of the better hitters maybe in the league. What are your thoughts on his season? He's, you know, he really could should probably talk about as an MVP, too. Um, probably the most talented guy all the way around that we have. Uh, another infectious personality for a rookie. Uh, he's one of the biggest personalities. Whenever you're in charge of the music, that's usually a veteran guy. You know, Coco was in charge of that for a while here. Matt Chapman being all of one year in the big leagues is in charge of that in there, which tells you, you know, what he means to this team. And then it's just his competitiveness on the field every day that rubs off on everybody. He's just like an assassin out on the field. You know, he plays at the fastest pace. Um, you know, he's, he's way faster than, than maybe his run numbers look. He's got a tremendous amount of power. He's the best defensive player I've probably ever seen. And, and to, to the strides he's made offensively, you know, we've incrementally kind of given him a little bit more and more, and then we put him in that number two spot, which is kind of two's the new three. And he's handled it so beautifully that, you know, he's become one of the premier players in the game, and he has the ability to get that much better. He, he is a special talent. You'll be talking about him as one of those maybe five elite players in the game that's in the MVP conversation every every year. Yeah, I mean, I've covered the A's, obviously, for a long time. The A's have had a number of really good third basemen in that time. I think he's the best third baseman they've had in this entire 20-year stretch. It's, so, and he keeps getting better. Matt Williams keeps telling me he is going to get better, which almost seems impossible. It's scary to, to, to envision what the ceiling will be for him because he's going to be a 30-homer guy. He's going to figure out how to hit 300 at some point. He, the defense numbers off. You're talking about a Mike Trout type of player. I know that's throwing probably a little bit too much, but he has the ability to be one of those guys. Yeah, to do that in this first full year, absolutely. Um, all you have to do is look at some of the advanced metrics. That's 100% accurate. Um, how do you see things here the rest of the way? You guys have got about a month left in the season, and you're a game and a half behind Houston, and, and have a fairly nice cushion now in the for the second wild card. I, I, you know, if you went in the clubhouse and asked guys where we were, they probably a lot of them would be wrong. Um, 
because they're just competing every day. I think once we get to the final two weeks, there's a little bit more urgency. There's a definite finish line that you can see that maybe some of the guys will be talking about where we are. But the focus here is, and I know it's very cliche, but the focus here is just going out and competing as hard as we can for 27 outs. And that's the strength of this team. Even when we lose, we make you a little nervous um, with, the, with how we compete in the at-bats. The eighth and ninth inning numbers speak for themselves. The bullpen can make any team nervous. So I don't think we're at a point yet where we're really kind of embracing where we are and what the potential could be. We're still just trying to fight for every win. Now, I, I know you're probably not a huge fan of hypotheticals. You guys have not clinched a playoff spot by any means. But how do you feel should you get there? You stack up as a postseason team because a lot of teams last year we saw in the postseason use the bullpen a ton, which obviously is, is your strength. Uh, and, and your team has shown such an ability to bounce back after tough losses and to score late and to win close games, which are all things that are very important, obviously, in postseason scenarios. Yeah, you know, in, in postseason, a lot of times, you know, you see the best pitching, you see the best defense, you have to be able to manufacture runs. And I think one of the attributes this team has shown, especially here recently during this run, is that we can win different games different ways. And that's, gonna, that's important. We can't just be a team that's going to have to out-homer you to win. We can't just be a team that, you know, needs, you know, three-run homers early in games. We've been doing that here recently, but I think the fact that we've won games late, that we score in the eighth and ninth inning, with our, our bats get better as game goes along, speaks to potentially and hypothetically, we get to the postseason, a good recipe to win those type of games. That's a great way to leave this. Thanks so much for joining us on Ace Plus. Bob Melvin. My pleasure. We're joined on A's Plus by A's right fielder Stephen Piscotti. Uh, Stephen, next week the A's are having ALS Awareness Day, a cause obviously very close to your heart, and uh, the funds are going to the ALS Therapy Development Institute. What can you tell me about kind of the work that you guys have been doing with them? I know your dad has been pretty involved too. Yeah, my dad's been very involved and um, kind of in the past few months has really tried to ramp up his, his energy to, uh, you know, help raise awareness and, and you know, get money donated so that you know, these institutions can help uh, develop a cure. And, um, you know, it was something that kind of while it was going on um, and then obviously um, when my mother passed in May, you know, we raised a lot of money and, um, you know, it came in from everywhere and it, it was really special. And so we, we feel really good about that, but we want to do more. And so um, I think this day in, in September will be really cool and, uh, hopefully we can get a lot of support from, from the fans and, and whoever wants to come and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna make that our mission that's kind of um, something we've, we've uh, feel responsible um, for and, and want to do and um, you know hopefully it'll be a great event and we're just looking for all little different ways to, to raise money and awareness uh, what are your thoughts on the A's devoting a day to it yeah that, that's really special and I, I have to commend and thank the A's, um, you know, from the bottom of my, of my heart for, for so much. And, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that this was their idea and wanted to do this. So, um, you know, obviously really thankful. But, I mean, bringing me to Oakland and, and uh, you know, kind of in the, in the late stages of up until my mother passed, I mean, it was, it was difficult. And they were there for me. Um, 
they obviously knew what was going on and, and were looking for ways to help and make things easier on my family. And um, I, I just can't say enough about them. And, and uh, so I'm really excited for, for this upcoming game and, and uh, hopefully have a good turnout. And, um, yeah, I, like I said, I, just, I can't thank them enough. What do you think about um, the, the Therapy Development Institute in general? What do you what makes it different? I, I think what makes I mean they're all great um, you know organizations and the ALS Association is also another great one. Um, we felt that from our own research that we felt like they had a, a leg up on on kind of the the research that was being done and the technologies they were using and. Um, you know, but it's, it's one of those things where it really doesn't matter if there's an ALS, um, you know, group that's working towards it. By all means, um, um, you can donate to them. I, I think Forbes Norris Clinic in, in California was tremendous in, in helping our family um, specifically, and, and we would love for for them to, to see some of that money. Um, you know, it's all going to a great cause, and, and for for uh, you know, for hopefully finding a cure and. Who knows who's gonna who's gonna figure it out? But it only takes one. Uh, it's obviously uh, it's Monday against the Yankees. That's a big series for you guys. Uh, so it's kind of kind of nice timing uh, all together. And you guys are going home for a nice long homestand uh, in a in a good position and currently in a playoff spot and chasing down the Astros. What are your kind of thoughts on what the team's been doing lately and and going into this final month of the season? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's the it's September baseball and we're playing meaningful games, so it's really special and. And uh, you know it's great that they're going to have that day, you know, against against the Yankees when we're going to have a, a big crowd. But also, you know, the Yankees um, donated a, a significant amount of, of money in my mom's honor to to ALS research, and so it's it's cool to kind of share in that with them. So I, I think it was a great choice of day. But um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a, a fun series and a lot on the line. So um, you know, it, it's going to be great. It, it's so fun to be in this spot that we're in right now. Um, playing these meaningful games, and um, you know, it's we want to get into that postseason. We want to have a long run, and um, there's a lot of a lot of excitement in the clubhouse right now. Wonderful! Thanks so much for joining us on Ace Plus. All right, you got it. Thanks. It's time for the Feldy Follies portion of the Ace Plus podcast. We welcome our friend Dave Feldman, official scorer, stats guru, TV producer extraordinaire. Feldy, uh, it's been another uh, kind of crazy week in A's land. The back to where we were, sort of in the beginning of the season, parts of the middle of the season. Two more starters going down with injuries: Sean Manaya with rotator cuff tendonitis, potentially unavailable the rest of the way, uh, and Brett Anderson with a forearm strain that we do not yet know the severity of as as we're taping this podcast. What what are your thoughts on losing the two, certainly for the short term and and potentially for longer? Yeah, it's tough that this, these hits just keep coming. It, it seemed for a while there that the A's had leveled out on the injury front. I mean, they were pretty consistent in their starting rotation, um, as makeshift as it seemed. But now here we go again. Uh, the Shamanaya one, um, you know, and you did a great job of this, of kind of noticing that his velocity over the last few starts had been dropping. Um, and there was concern because there didn't, there didn't seem to be a reason for it. Right, because you watched him pitch, and his mechanics look fine. But that's a big hit for them because he was the one consistent, the one constant in the rotation. Um, yeah, he had some 
some not-so-good starts, but he was also uh, a very reliable starting pitcher for the most part. That That's a big blow to the A's. Uh, the Brett Anderson one, I hate to say it, not that surprising. Yeah. If you look back on his career, this is what happens to him. He gets hurt, um, and he's just never able to stay on the hill. And it, it's tough because he looked like he had found his range as a starting pitcher because he was, he was dealing, and now – now he's going to be gone. We don't know how long. So as you go through these last 28 games and trying to, to piece it together, um, you know, luckily in September there is some off days or some Thursday off days that makes it a little easier. But they're still going to have to find guys to start these baseball games. Yeah, the, the, it's really funny with this rotation this year. You could already they've had sort of a different best starter every single one month. Obviously in. April it was Manaya. In May it was Daniel Mengden. Uh, in June it might have been Kale. I'm thinking. July probably Edwin Jackson. And then August it was Anderson up until this last start where perhaps the um, uh, arm was already bothering him. He said he was having trouble throwing his breaking stuff. So uh, it, it's they have been great at sort of finding you know a guy or two to carry the rotation at times. So I'm guessing here in September it's going to have to be somebody else. Yeah, Mike Fires, who's been terrific since he's joined the rotation. You hope that he can be a lead guy. Uh, i like to see Trevor Cahill step up on the road. I know this is kind of just a wacky thing, but the numbers don't lie here. He, he's a totally different pitcher at home and on the road. Um, you know, the game in Houston yesterday, uh, no control, six walks. That's nuts. And you never, in the home starts that we've seen this year, he's never struggled like that. Um, as he was quoted as saying, he wouldn't even realize this if someone hasn't told him, but the numbers don't lie there. He needs to step up in these road games to, to be that guy. So Fires, Jackson, Cahill, you're looking for big things. I, I was impressed by Daniel Megden uh, on Monday night in Houston, especially against a team that he has had no success against so far to come in and throw four shutout innings and look in control and confident on the mound. I really like the, the body language. Uh, just he looked confident, um, you know, especially even when the, the one batter stepped out on him and you could see that he got a little PO'd at that. I like that. Yeah. You want to see fire from him. Um, and then Frankie Montas, who comes back to face Seattle tonight. Let's see. Let's see if he can uh, be that guy we saw at the very beginning of the year when he first joined the rotation where he looked like he was ready to establish himself as a major league pitcher. I'd like to see that guy again. Yeah, he, he might have been one of their better pitchers in June. So, uh, it's not like they've got nothing to fill in. Chris Bassett has done a strange but decent job filling in. Like the yeah. other day he came in, uh, allowed just one run, but he said he had no command of anything and uh, felt like he was lucky to last as long as he did, which which wasn't. That's the one thing that has been a little bit, I think, of a concern for the A's at this point is the fact that starters are now not getting through five or six innings. There was a long stretch right after the A's got all these new relievers where suddenly the starters were going six, seven, eight innings. <laughs> and now we're not seeing that. And it's starting to put a little bit of a strain on the bullpen. Luckily, September is right around the corner as we're as we're taping this. It's on Saturday. But uh, it is a little bit concerning that suddenly these guys are struggling to get out of the third or fourth inning. Yeah, I mean, the last eight starts, nobody's gone into the sixth inning. Um, or through six innings, um, and that, yeah, you have a deep bullpen, and they're they're with their weapons, and they're very good. But 
you also need your starters to get you to the seventh inning and to the eighth inning at times just to give these guys a break. I mean, the A's are in this, this stretch of 20 straight games, and to have a, an eight-game stretch where your bullpen is responsible for, for three to four innings every night, it takes its toll. And a lot of, and the reason also is if your starters aren't giving you those innings, a lot of times that means you're behind. You've given, your starter has given up runs. So they need innings, and they need some, some outs, without giving a bronze and putting the bullpen in a position where they can hold the lead instead of trying to hold the deficit just so your team can come back. Yeah, exactly. Now, when I talked to David Force the other day about the, the most recent injuries and asked him sort of what the A's plan of attack might be, he said several interesting things. Among them, uh, this probably might not be too apropos to, as uh, people listen to this podcast if they're listening later in the week, but uh, it sounds like the, the team isn't really contemplating making a trade before that September 1st deadline to get guys eligible for the postseason roster. Um, even though uh, I, I believe they did sort of kick the tires on Gio Gonzalez, Marco Estrada, I think piqued their interest a little. I think they just decided that the you know, performance and or health might not really be what they were looking for. I think, if anything, they would add more relievers, and uh, that's been their MO this year. And David Forrest mentioned to me this idea of bullpenning. Now, the A's have had a couple of bullpen games, some of them not by design. You know, they had Anderson leaves in the second inning in Toronto, et cetera. Uh, but they have had one or two that are sort of, you know, Chris Bassett started almost bullpen kind of games. But they haven't done what Tampa has done, which is start a back-end type uh, reliever in the first inning. Uh, and then go from there. So it'll be interesting to see how they envision bullpenning. But once September comes, they can kind of do whatever they want in in terms of uh, throwing relievers out there if they want to have a full nine innings of just relievers. What what are your thoughts on going that way? I'm okay if there are certain days where you have to do it. Now, like you said, there's not going to be like Tampa where they use the opener who's really only going to be out there for one or two innings, and then a, a starter pitcher comes in and tries to go – five or six after that this would be an actual case where you're looking at uh, maybe using four to five pitchers going two innings each um, if you have that September roster depth and you have the guys who can do it um, I think sometimes that's a better choice than maybe a starter who you have no confidence in for that day and the A's also have probably the perfect guy to start off a game in a bullpen game and you smear up a tee yeah. a guy who's been a starter and a guy who can give you he could really go three innings if you need him to. Yeah, he, he can could go probably 40. go four. There are days he could easily go four, I think. Yeah. I mean, if he keeps his pitch count down, he hasn't thrown much more than 40 this year. He had 42 once against Baltimore back in May, but he can give you 40 to 50, and he's done it before, uh, and he's confident. And he's a guy, if he can get you three or four innings, then that bullpen day is not so taxing. Um, another thing that was, that was impressive that was surprising me in the Houston series was Ryan Dole's two innings on Wednesday. Um, that looked, he looked again more confident than I've seen him pitch earlier. Um, you know, maybe results bear that confidence. Once you start getting some outs and start making your pitches, maybe you feel better on the mound. But Dole's another guy. If you get Petit three to four, Dole one or two, and now you're into the back end where you like. Um, it's not a crazy thought. You can't do it every day. You have to pick your spot. Um, again, with these off days, you're going to have a chance to do that. So it might be the way to go in, on certain days. Yeah, I, I mean, there's these guys that the A's have picked up so far for the bullpen, and you're right, the guys that have come back from Nashville have been good, but, man, Sean Kelly, Fer Fernando Rodney have been sensational. 
Eurus Familia has been great. I'm, I'm going to toss out that fly ball home run that, that ended the, the final game in Houston. Uh, really, uh, they could, I think, go. And this is, we've talked about this before, David. This is how teams were operating in the postseason last year. The A's are following that recipe. So they actually kind of set up well for a postseason in that respect. So I, the fact that they're thinking about doing it for some regular season games down the stretch, a very important stretch, I thought was was fascinating. Now, speaking of guys that have come in and, and really contributed well, Ramon Laureano, who seems every day to make some sort of outrageously amazing play in the outfield, uh, and he's hitting, he's stealing bases. He's given the A's some elements that they have not had that much of over the last few years. Well, what are your impressions of Ramon Laureano? Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is an athletic player. Um, who is giving them a certain dynamic they have not had, a defensive guy who can chase down fly balls, uh, make catches that we haven't seen in Oakland for a long time. Things that you think are sure hits are now falling into his glove. Uh, we haven't seen that sort of athleticism from a center fielder in a while. Uh, and the arm speaks for itself. I mean, this, it's nuts what he's doing. Um, I was listening to the Houston broadcasters yesterday because um, that was the feed that we were getting on the MLB network. And they talked about that it isn't so much how, um, how hard he's throwing, it's his accuracy. That's what impressed them. Yeah. And 100%. His throws are on the money. Yeah. Even the throws that he's just throwing back into the infield you know, are on the money. Um, crazy. Uh, and I've been impressed at the plate. There are times when, when he first came up in the first few games where he was swinging his sliders off the plate, and you thought, okay, he's going to be overmatched. He's, he's hyped up. But now you're seeing him take pitches. And that walk that he got on the Tuesday night game to start the rally, again, for a young player against his former organization to, to be that calm and to take those pitches, uh, this is a really impressive baseball player. Yeah, it's, it's funny he's performed so well against Houston. who Let him go for, you know, it was, a, it was actually a fairly even swap uh, at the time, you know, a, major league out, a minor league outfielder for a minor league pitcher. Uh, and he, he was coming off a really down season, but wow. Uh, I know that they are stacked with outfield prospects and obviously with young outfielders in, in the Astros organization, but the A's, that was such an astute pickup, really, um, really great. I'm actually surprised that he was not up a little earlier. The guy I feel feel for a little bit is Mark Canna, who has been a really important guy for the A's at times. You know, he's really contributed, uh, works as hard as anybody, uh, really takes the craft seriously, and uh, he's sort of now a guy without really much of a regular role. Uh, and it could wind up being even a little less in September when, when Dustin Fowler returns. So uh, yeah, that's whenever somebody comes up and impresses, it means somebody else is getting pushed out a little bit. And to see a, a local guy who's done well, I, I do feel a little bad. I, I know he's, like everybody, like very accepting of his role and just wants to win. Uh, but he is definitely sort of the odd man out right now. He is, and he, he played a very important part in this A season. I mean, he had times where, especially against left-handers, he was he was just raking. What sometimes happens is, you know, over a course of a long season, you end up coming to your level. And Mark Canna, as a major league everyday player, I don't think that's ever going to happen for him uh, until he makes some adjustments. He, he swings, it's two biggest swings. Uh, even with two strikes, he's still trying to hit the ball 500, 500 feet when he just needs to put the ball in play. Um there are some things that, that he started to regress as, as he was starting to struggle a little bit. But now, as you come into September, yes, his playing time will be curtailed as it has been.
but at least you can spot him now against certain left-handed starting pitchers where you can feel you can have success. And maybe that's going to be good for him where he can, we, he can go out and put in a place where he can be successful. Um, I'm excited to see Dustin Fowler come back. I mean, he was tearing it up at AAA um, and see what he learned and see, again, to bring another athletic player back in the lineup, see where he fits in. Um, it's going to be interesting in September with this roster and how everybody plays because they've gotten pretty familiar and pretty regular with the lineup. Uh, and now Bob Melvin is going to be given some more toys and some more options to play with. And as a manager, I think he's got to love that. Yeah, it's true. You know, I'm sure we will see Chris Hatcher back, although he has to go back onto the the 40 man. Uh, and uh, Bassett obviously will be back. Uh, and a catcher, I would imagine we are going to see Bo Taylor. I, I'm certain we will not see Bruce Maxwell. Uh, what a what an you know an unfortunate kind of career path for Bruce Maxwell, who was essentially handed the starting job for this season. And, you know, we all know about the kneeling and then uh, the legal incident he had in Scottsdale. But uh, the A's were still very committed to him and have been supportive throughout, very supportive. But he came into spring overweight and was not moving very well. And, you know, the A's felt like they had to go out and get somebody. They were so lucky. I mean, really, one of the things this A's season has hinged on to me is the fact that Jonathan Lucroy, for whatever crazy reason, was still available in March and the A's were able to get him. But Maxwell gets sent down early in the season, and he's just done nothing at AAA. So, uh, you know, they, the A's would like to have a left-handed hitting catcher. Bo Taylor, Taylor's done a nice job. He's also had a little bit of an interesting backstory in that he was suspended last year for performance-enhancing substance abuse. It was an ADHD medication that he did not have an exemption for. He uh, said all the right things afterwards, did not blame anybody but himself, and had to go to extended spring, obviously, because he was suspended, couldn't play, was the first guy at the field every day, the last guy to leave, volunteered for every bit of extra work, worked with all the young pitchers, uh, and the coaching staff in the minor leagues was so impressed with the work he did. Uh, and then when he came off his suspension, he had put together a nice year last year, and he's, he's done well at, at Nashville this year too. So he's really in the A's good graces, and a little, sort of a little bit of a you know, parting of the ways there. Um, partly because of the work ethic involved. So I, I do, it's going to be interesting. It'll be his first call-up uh, if it happens, as I suspect. Uh, and uh, that that's kind of a nice little story with uh, when we see Bo Taylor here, I think. Yeah, and stories like that really help, too, in September when you bring up a guy who his teammates really like and enjoy and respect. And that was a feeling that I, that I got around from reading the stories about spring training that everybody really liked Bo Taylor. Yeah. Um, and that's now you bring up a guy, so everybody's gonna be happy for him. And as a third catcher, you know he's not a guy who's gonna see a lot of action on the field, but he's a good option to have in case you want to again make more moves. Um, and but just that that the presence of another guy who's excited to be there to help the chemistry. Yeah, I know you can't put a value on that, but there's something about lifting your spirits and everybody being happy and joyful. Uh, and a guy like that helps that in the locker rooms, so, and it's a good story. And you don't have to deal with. Unfortunately, Bruce Maxwell now has this this luggage that comes along yeah. with him, right? And it's a shame he is not a bad, out. absolutely not a bad guy at all. What you know, especially the kneeling, it came from a a, a desire to do good and make a, a positive impact. Um, so uh, I, I feel for him, and uh, but he just has not performed. No, and when you put um, when you become part of the, the public story 
uh, especially with the kneeling. Uh, and then you have to be almost extra careful with how you conduct yourself the rest of the way, right? You can't have an incident, incident like you had in, in Phoenix in the offseason. And you can't come to camp out of shape after that. You have to do everything in your power to be straight and narrow and be in the best shape of your life coming into camp ready to perform. It, I hate to say it because you're right. He did it for the right reasons, and, and it was very heartfelt. But now people know who you are, and you have to you have to live up to those standards. Yeah, you you're under a microscope. That. There's no doubt about yeah. it. It's a it's a shame. I, and we, we talked at the time, David, about uh, when when Maxwell chose to kneel that no other baseball players had done it. None have done it since. I can't imagine at this point we're going to see any do it. It's just not a sport where uh, individual statements are common uh and you know it's really not kind of part of the culture in baseball it's a it's a lot of rules following and sort of you know herd mentality and uh so yeah it's it's sort of a interesting little footnote in a's history potentially now speaking of september call-ups one guy we are not going to see david force told me um emphatically the other day is jesus lizardo which i think is a good thing now uh, part of me would love to see him you know that the kid is just uh outrageously talented pitched in the Futures game. We saw him in the spring a little bit. But he's 20 years old. He's two years removed from Tommy John's surgery. The A's put a an innings cap on him of 120 innings. It sounds like they've kind of shut him down at Nashville now. Um, when I asked Force the other day, could we could we see him uh, potentially as, as an option here? He said just said a flat no. And general managers tend not to say anything yes or no answers they like to leave you know uh, for obvious reasons they like to leave a little room to hedge because things change so to get a flat no is uh that's pretty telling yeah i'm with you i love to see them because we love young prospects who have uh bright futures ahead of them we like to see them get on the mound we, we want to see them pitch we want to see them be a factor um and that's our excitement uh, as as as, as fans and as media because you want you want to talk about and write about this guy but in reality, he is 20 years old. Uh, he's thrown a lot of innings, uh, and he's had a very nice season. Um, do the A's really need him in September? Um, I think, as we talked about with bullpenning and bringing up more bullpen pitchers and filling up the, the pitching staff, they probably don't. I think they can get by without him, and you weren't going to be asking him to do too much anyway, even if you brought him up. Um, this isn't like uh, Frankie Rodriguez and the Angels in 2002, where he was – a lights-out reliever in the minors. He hadn't thrown a lot of innings. He could come up. He was going to be a factor because uh, no one had seen him pitch like that. He's not that starter guy. This is a starting pitcher who's going to be part of your rotation, hopefully in the future and hopefully for many years. Um, yeah, I, I like the excitement of having him come up, but I think the smart move um, and really the, the best move for the team is to not bring him up. Yeah, I agree. Now, the one, um, you know, a little bit of kind of uh... – I wouldn't say concern because Chris Davis tends to be have sort of swings one way or another. Power hitters typically do kind of get streaky at times. But Chris Davis has been in a funk lately. The whole road trip, I think, was, was kind of a disaster for him. I think he wound up going two for 27, something like that, 13 or 14 strikeouts. Uh, but really the, the whole lineup, with the exception of Matt Chapman, has been a little bit you know, down, I would say, the, the last week or so. What are you seeing? So first on Chris Davis, which, I mean, he is, he's in one of those funks right now. You think he's never going to get a hit again. I mean, it's, it looks like he's not even close. And you look back at this season, let's go to April, two for 29, end of April going into May, two for 28. Uh, Now on that road trip, after the home run in Minnesota, he goes one for 28. 
this is what he does. He looks like he'll never hit the ball again. And then he'll make contact and he'll go on a hot streak where he's hitting four or five homers over an eight game span. I, it's just what he does. Um, so I'm not that concerned. This is, this is Chris Davis. Uh, the rest of the offense. Yeah. When you have an offense that has relied on a home run a lot this season to score, and then you stop hitting home runs, it's sometimes hard to put those runs on the board. So that's where the little things come in. And, you know, on the Wednesday game in Houston, it's, this is, and we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago, run on third, less than two outs. You have to get that run home. And the A's have been very, very poor at that lately, whether it's striking out or popping up. Those are situations where you can get a run without needing a hit just by putting the ball in play correctly. I'm not saying it's easy. Forget. I mean, the league average in this is just over 50%. But the elite teams and teams who win a lot of games, these are the runs that they pick up, and they are the difference makers in winning and losing. If the A's get that, that runner from, twice yesterday, runner for their less than two outs, if they do it once, they have the lead going to the ninth and Blake Trinings pitching the ninth inning. It's a different game. Yeah. It's those runs that the A's have to, to have to take those opportunities and drive them in. And, the, and they had been fairly good about that most of the year. Um, you know, Stephen Piscotty is a guy who particularly has impressed me with that. Maybe it's coming from the National League and a team like the Cardinals. He'd been doing a very good job at that. They have, they do have hitters who are capable of, you know, providing a sack fly or hitting the ball to the right side. But um, yeah, that was uh, it, it has not been in evidence quite as much lately, for sure. No, it's it, it's frustrating for an offense. But you know, it's interesting. They, they come home now, uh, another big series against Seattle four games against Seattle, then three against the Yankees. Um, these are these are huge series in the fact that you can really make statements, right? You know, it's funny. The A's, and you look at the standings, and I, I don't know, if you're like me, I look at the standings like every night now. Let, let's see where we're at. Um, but the A's are three games in the loss column behind Houston, uh, but five games ahead of Seattle in the loss column. But for me, uh, those three games behind Houston – seem like a mountain and these five games ahead of Seattle look like a molehill. It looks like you know, things can change so fast. Uh, and the A's, you have a chance now to give that other team losses. And that's the key now is to give them losses and you take advantage of that. Uh, and the A's need to do those little things to make sure those happen. And then maybe a little preview of a potential wild card game with the Yankees coming to town. And I want to encourage anybody that's listening before that series starts to definitely, if you're coming to a game in that series, come to the Monday game. It's the ALS awareness game. Um, and I think that's something that's sort of near and dear to, to many of our hearts now after Stephen Piscotty lost his mom, Gretchen, to, to ALS. David Feldman, thank you as always for joining us. We will talk to you sometime in the next week or two. And uh, it should be fun. September starting. Ember Baseball, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Thanks, David. Ace Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to Ace Plus wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by King Kaufman and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser and get all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. <laughs>